This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Shake them ropes. Jeff Hawkins. Chris Novembrino here. All things wrestling this week. Maybe not Japan stuff, but, you know, most things. Chris, I am uh, <laughs> I am flabbergasted at what a lawless country Los Angeles has become. Um, <laughs> so today I go down to my mailbox and there's a note from everybody going, Hey, anybody seen my sweater? We caught somebody going through the mailboxes and opening packages with a pen. <laughs> Just like in between this and the... Uh, and the meth head who's been living in the stairwells, and then the kicker. Uh, my favorite food truck out here. I, have you ever heard of a Kogi? I have not heard of Kogi. Kogi Barbecue. It's it's a it's um, it's Japanese Mexican fusion cuisine. It's very very popular here. Um, their supply truck was stolen. <laughs> the, the truck that they use to supply their food trucks eh, just stolen, I believe, while they were loading it. Um, <laughs> they can't locate it, even though all the signage is on the side. This is you can't have anything in Los Angeles unless you chain it down, because in five seconds you turn around, it will be gone. It's the perils of living in one of these big uh, urban cities. These like super. Super cities, yeah, the very big ones. Yeah, there's there's Cal- a little bit of everything, you know. You get over a million people or like five million people someplace, you you eventually have one of everybody. <laughs> well, it's everybody has a story. I mean, all my stuff got stolen my my first day here for the most part, and, and uh, other than the stuff I took in to the hotel room. Uh, yeah, everybody everybody goes, yeah, I had all my stuff stolen. I called the cops and they asked, "Is anybody hurt?" And then they refused to show up. It's important to you. It's not important to anybody else. Yeah, I mean, I had a similar situation here in Dallas just last year where, yeah, if you don't have a violent crime, just property theft sort of stuff, the cops aren't going to be actioning on that, especially if it's not, even if it is a car. Uh, my car got stolen, and the cops were kind of blasé on that, and uh, they never found it. So I was able to just get a full insurance claim on the car. And then eventually they found it three months later. Yeah, now, now you can shoplift out here up to $1,000 and just leave. And you'll get a ticket. You'll get a summons. Yeah, sure. You know, because that's, ah, it's just, it's, it's insane out here. Ah, I don't, I don't know, know why you do it to yourself, Jeff. I, I don't understand. Well, I'm looking for a place to live. And it's just one of those things where it's like, where will you be happy? It turns out I'm just miserable everywhere, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> Where will Jeff be happy? Yeah. Um, I don't know if I'm going to put the disclaimer on here. I'm, I'm very tempted to swear on this show. So if I did, you'll hear swearing. If not, I won't. Um, God, where to, where to start, Chris? Where to start? You want to just do news and then get into it? Yeah, let, let's just okay. do news, and then we can get into the parade of stupid angles. <laughs> I mean, I am drinking, so I might be drunk by the end of this show. 
And I still don't think it would have helped. I offered to do a live watch of Raw on Zoom, and I wish I had gone through with it. Because I have my emotional support keyboard here in case things get too angry for me. That's sad. The, see, the sad helps me channel my anger into one of the primary emotions. Anger is a secondary emotion, Jeff. <laughs> this keyboard is the bane of my existence. It this is. This keyboard is a blessing. No, and it's the show not. became better. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's good. You like it. Don't. When you say that, it makes the keyboard sad. I hate it as much as cats. Why are you being like this? Because I'm, I'm what? Just, what I'm is surly. wrong with you? This I'm is no. You today. know what? I'm gonna. That, again, that makes me sad. Anger's a secondary emotion. Get to the primary. You're being a jerk, though, Jeff. <laughs> Get in line. Uh, <laughs> uh, on the uh, on the corporate front, uh, Nick Khan is the new WWE president and CEO, leaving Creative Arts Agency to take that role. Uh, in addition, James Kimball, who had been the operations head of the UFC Performance Institute since the conception of the idea, is leaving for WWE. He's going to take a senior business operations role in Stanford. Both seem like pretty good moves to me. Uh, Nick Khan is the guy who spearheaded the television negotiations with both Fox and USA for those TV deals. Um I don't know. I, they, they always make good moves on the business side. So I, I don't ever fault them for this. They know what they're doing when they're running a business. It's just you look on the other side of what it, it's like. You can run the factory. It's just the product sucks. Yeah, no, they're, <laughs> they're making good money. They're just selling bad baloney. Essentially, yeah, yeah. yeah but but it's a it's a pro, it's a bad baloney. It doesn't taste good. You don't want it on your sandwich. But it also is. It doesn't have money. a first name. It only has a last name. Yeah. <laughs> and that last name is the name <laughs> of the grocery store that you're shopping at. Yeah. Um. I don't know. Not a lot to say. I think Kimball's going to be very interesting. I think he's he's eventually going to go to Orlando, and really try and. I think they want to make some changes to the performance center. I just don't know what. So I think his uh, his hiring is going to be uh, under the radar. But I think it would be very important to tone. Tone of what? Uh, you know, look, with, with the, with the quote-unquote big angle on Monday, allegedly, they they apparently there there are people especially Shane McMahon who are in love with MMA so i think they might be going from dance style to fight style or they might want to or at least they're dipping their toe in the water and i think this might be one of those moves that does it you mean you think the in-ring product will be more fighty and less dancing. I think that maybe the training of people might be more fighty. That that that's what I'm thinking. Not necessarily, not necessarily the product yet. It's gonna take a few years. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I right. I don't know. No, I don't know I, what this I, I mean, guy did. I'm acting like I know what the f I'm talking about, and I don't here. I'm sorry. Yeah, I don't want to speculate too much on this because to me it seems like. This reminds me a little bit of the way the Lakers used to be when Kobe Bryant was on them and after Shaq left. It didn't really matter who you brought onto the team, even if it was a fairly big name like Pau Gasol. At the end of the day, it was kind of like, what's Kobe going to do? And the way WWE works, 
it's like, what's Vince going to do? And unless and until Vince isn't on the team, then this is what the WWE team is going to be. I mean, even when they thought we thought they were building up Triple H and then Triple H got quietly somewhat demoted, shall we say? Reassigned, I believe will be the proper nomenclature, dude. Yeah, no, hey, like, I, I know that I don't know the proper WWE-ism for it, but he was moved away from ascending to the throne like I think some of us thought he might in 2012 to 2013. I mean, now as we're going into 2021, it seems a little bit unlikely. Kevin Riley, one of the head honchos over at Warner Media who made the push to get AEW on Turner, is out. Um looks like he's being replaced by another guy who at least is wrestling friendly. Um, Casey Bloys, who at least in his history has kind of made deals with like the rocks production company. And I believe he also helped make the deal with, uh, for the Andre, the giant documentary that the bill Simmons group did. So I don't know. I don't know if that means anything or not. It's just kind of interesting because every time they do a shakeup of media companies, like when AOL, bought time Warner originally they looked at wrestling and they said we don't want this associated with our brand even though it was successful still I mean it was the the product was declining don't get me wrong but it was still a very successful thing ratings wise for Turner and they just decided to kind of rebrand themselves altogether so I don't know if that means that might happen here even though they do have a deal deals are subject to change Yeah, I think that this is, of all the executive moves to watch this week, this is the one that has my eye the most out of any of them because AEW serves at the pleasure of the Turner Network Television Network. And is that, are they really Turner Network Television Network? Is that, they're really TNT? And if you say the TNT Network. We just call it Warner Media. Okay, but like TNT is Turner, is Network, Turner Television. Network Television. Yes. So when people say the Turner or the TNT Network, they're saying the Turner Network Television Network. They're saying network twice. Yes, just like TBS is Turner Broadcasting Station Network. Network. Okay. See, they shouldn't have done that. They shouldn't have done that. But then you don't really have much of a name, do you? Um, so yeah, uh, I I think that if tnt tries to rebrand themselves then aew will be on the chopping block because they're not bringing in you know a million viewers or whatever i I think because you could bring in a new television show now now we're not comparing aew to wwe and the ratings war and talking about the demo with uh ratings of wrestling right now we're talking about how does AEW as a product stand up to other television products that they could make, like in particular reality television? And if TNT decides to do reality TV and can get a million viewers with reality television, they might go that route. Yeah, I think I think they're happy with uh, being kind of the NBA network. I think they're right, right. Yeah, no, I, I mean you could also see them just as easily expand out the NBA part of their network. Now that would be a thing they'd be more interested something in. Something you need to take in consideration is that the AEW debut was their biggest network debut in like five years. That's how that's how off the grid TNT is right now in terms of original programming. When they used to be a pretty big deal 
in terms of when they were doing the we know drama um shtick and they had original programming on there they didn't have bad programming i mean they had a hit in rizzolian isles which is basically a cagney and lacy reboot for the most part um you know they had some critically acclaimed shows that didn't get ratings a lot but they were still good like uh men of a certain age was a show that uh damn good show i thought uh really dealt in pathos quite a bit i i enjoyed it but um not a lot of other people did but i mean they they at least were for their programming they were rating high in the cable overnights for original shows and they just haven't been doing that of late and but then again neither is usa for the most part so it's it's kind of i i think the move was kind of made because a backwards thinking rather than forwards thinking, but who knows? Guess who's here to create chaos, Jeff? <laughs> hold, hold your fire. We're here to create chaos, Jeff. Chris, Chris, I also have this a, a is, this major is more Chris, hold on, hold on. I have a major it. news update. A box has fallen in my place. <laughs> we will have more news update if more boxes fall. Uh, let's let's get through the news. Let's power through this so that we can start right, properly. Uh, WWE has made an offer to Rey Mysterio. Uh, AEW has said to match the money, but there is no way in hell Rey Mysterio is going to sign with AEW when they're giving Dominic Mysterio a plum spot on the SummerSlam card uh, to keep him. Unless he plays his game where he's just going to think about it through SummerSlam and then screw him. I just, I see Ray, Ray being kept for life and not going anywhere else. Yeah, I, I think that if they can continue to work a fairly easy schedule, too, uh, I don't. Like, how into wrestling is Dominic? Do you know? Like, is, is he doing this because it's like the family business or is like is this something he's really passionate about? don't know personally but i do know at least ray has guided him through his career for the most no part i so know far. he i remember watching him try to get dominic launched on lucha underground back in the day like well, he, went this, this has been a, he went to land storm to train which i think is a big deal to me okay all right well all right. and, and i think and there he, was talks he does he no he does look like he's dropped some serious weight yes. too since yeah back when yeah as he, well, he's so. not he's not gonna be his dad he has no, I, I don't expect him to be his dad. I just I I was interested like how into this is he because like you know if if he was if he's doing this because it's the family business or even if he's just like slightly passionate about it then he's gonna go the WWE route. The only reason he would do AEW is if he was like an artiste and like wanted yeah. to up up stage his dad or something like that. And I don't think that's what he's trying to do. Or I think if he wanted to get into like. Uh, I forget if it's CMLL or AAA that they have a good relationship with because of the Pentagon Phoenix thing. You know. Yeah, yeah. Continue the lucha tradition as opposed to making real money in the States kind of thing. Although you can make good money in Mexico. I'm not uh, not denigrating that, but there were rumors that he was He seems like more of a power wrestler guy, though. He doesn't seem like a high flyer type. Yeah, there were rumors he was going to go to the New Japan dojo for a while and, and train. I mean, I think that wouldn't be the worst idea in the world anyways, but WWE likes to have their people under their roof. I, I just, I, I really don't know. I couldn't tell you if he loves it or not. You know, he, he, yeah. he doesn't have a lot of charisma. To that's me. the only, that's the only reason I'm asking. I, I don't, I don't find him to be particularly engaging, uh, but I was just asking where his head's at because 
that'd be the only reason you'd think about going to AEW if you had like some really kind of I'm going to travel the world as a wrestler and continue my father's legacy for the next 25 years sort of thing. Uh, whereas I see Dominic doing wrestling into his mid to late 30s and, you know, then more or less being done with the thing and moving on with his life. Wednesday night numbers were interesting. Both shows were up. NXT slightly. AEW pretty big for AEW to me. Um, AEW a .36 rating, fifth for the night, 901,000 viewers. NXT .20, 27th for the night, 753,000 viewers. I I had people jumping down my throat because I was wondering where this extra 100 to 150,000 viewers for AEW came from because they haven't had a number like this in a while and there didn't seem to be something. So my answer is that AEW has a built-in feature with the NBA. And the NBA being back means that AEW is getting advertisement on NBA television. And so that is drawing some of the eyes. Because it's on TNT. So you, you, you already know the network. You're telling people, oh, by the way, go and check out AEW. Now, I've also seen in the past on, on NBA television... Whenever AEW comes up, sometimes uh, certain commentators don't necessarily take that plug particularly seriously, or they will make fun of it, or on occasion sometimes get WWE wrestlers in the AEW plug. Um, so it doesn't always get handled with the extreme amount of care, but that would be one thing. Do you have any other theories? I push against your theory only because they had NBA games and baseball games on. I, I don't... I don't. I don't have any theories. I thought maybe. No, I'm saying that like they just started running NBA games again in the last two weeks here. Right. And so there's additional eyes on the TNT network. Okay. Yeah. I I would have thought those eyes would be on ESPN watching watching their broadcast of NBA games, but. Uh, TNT had some though as well. Yeah. It just wasn't that night. It, it's very. We're gonna see how this audience carries because they have to reschedule some of the AEW things because of the NBA. And one of those broadcasts is going head to head with the first hour of uh, takeover, which is, yeah. Is that the one that's on a Saturday? Yeah. Oh, geez. Yeah. That's going to be be on the network and not USA. So, I mean, that tells you that is the thing that I'd be worried about for AEW is that you have, people who are doing reshuffles like that. And it's very clear that they don't get what the dynamics are inside of the wrestling industry and the wrestling audience that you're trying to court and doing those little small things that make a difference. That doesn't seem like what TNT's management's doing right now. All right. Enough of this serious crap. (laughs) All right. Chris, I'm going into raw. This was <laughs> this was a spaghetti show. This was 12 different ideas, and let's see if one of them works. But, Chris, I am. I have been a wrestling fan for a very, very long time. I watched Moses' first match. I am so old. I, <laughs> I will suspend my disbelief. Chris, if, if you tell me that the son of the owner, who we have written off of television, is running an underground fighting federation during a television production show of a show. I'll believe it. 
you just have to earn it. You have to yeah, get there. Yeah, all you there. have to do is explain it. <laughs> yeah, look, I, I'll believe there's a magical portal to Narnia right through that wardrobe over there. I will believe that Earth 2 is constantly in the state of 1940s <laughs> World War Two. I will believe that the all these superheroes were transported to this planet to fight each other because the Beyonder told them to. I will believe any story you give me. You just got to explain it. They paid for their television spots back in the day. That was the whole <laughs> angle. Like, why are we watching this black and white match in an empty arena? Oh, because the NWO paid TNT for the time, and that's how they got the time to do this. And, and Shane, nobody... <laughs> Jeff, Jeff, Shane had teases in the broadcast, scripted in, and yet this thing is underground. <laughs> said, Stay tuned, because at 10 o'clock... Yes, they had a time coordinate, like all underground fight clubs do. Do you know what time it started? Didn't it start like five minutes early? It was like 9.50. <laughs> I'm just, I'm okay. He's running, a, and, and here's the other thing. Nobody is curious about it. Nobody's going to ask Shane what the hell this thing is going on. And, it, and, and you open that door. And it's a damn anachronism from like MTV circa 1999 with dancing girls and dude bros. And you just need like Linkin Park playing in the background. You remember the crappy- Chris Jericho Titantron from back in the day, like 2000 era where there were the girls dancing? Yes. Every time they did the shot of the girls on the stage, I just kept seeing the Chris Jericho Titan Tron. Yeah, from that back one where the, the woman on the pole right before break yeah. the wall down. Yeah, yeah, break the walls down exactly. Yeah, no, I, I'm just like, oh my God, this is a company that puts re- women's wrestling as a as a highlight in terms of they just went through, oh, women's evolution, women's evolution. Let's put in the go-go dancers because that'll be really cool. And then they start shoving each other and change, just like, ladies, ladies, please. You guys could do that next week. <laughs> We're going to have cat fights and pillow fights and wet t-shirt contests. Yeah, mud wrestling. Yeah, let's do it. Oh, my uh, God. And <laughs> and then, like, a, the actual on, the, the the most pit preposter- fighting. Hold on. I got to get this most preposterous thing out of there. The other thing, they had written Shane McMahon off of TV together. You know what else they had written off of TV Basically saying he had been hurt to the point that he can't ever return to work. Dio Madden, who is there doing underground fighting after less than a year of broadcasting this show, and they never bring it up. They never say, isn't that the former raw color commentator doing underground fight club? Yeah, I don't even think he was supposed to be Dio Madden. In that context, I actually think he was just supposed to be large extra guy. Like that's how under, yeah, that's how underthought this whole thing was. And then you bring in the hurt business into the underground thing and like they just beat everyone up to the point where if they'd ever do another one of these again, that'd be great. But I have a feeling it's going to be back. But, but now we need to get to the actual fighting. What the hell was... (laughs) the these matches like there are no real rules 
everything just ends when you get someone on the ground and then you like simulate doing forearms to their face. And these matches lasted all about 30 seconds and had no watchability to them. You don't necessarily need ropes, but like what you need is like a big gorilla press slam or something. Just like a tombstone pile driver. There was the one power bomb that I think Lashley did to somebody and that looked pretty good. And outside of that, nothing looked good in this ringless or this ropeless ring platform thing that people were fighting on. Nobody's curious about this working on the TV show. They just assume as is. We got Baba Tunde out there with some ridiculous name now. As if Baba Tunde isn't ridiculous. What was his name? Is like Poco Coco. (laughs) Yes, yeah, this is the guy we're building up. This is like, this is the feature of our multi week heel push. We built up uh, whatever this guy. I'm not even going to take a stab at his name because it's so bad that I'd only, I'd just make offensive phonetics, is what would come out of my mouth. We have, is it Eric from the Viking Raiders and Dolph Ziggler? Yes, yeah, and, and Eric's, Eric's match set looks okay in this format because of that, uh, the takeover Sambo suplex into the knee. Like, that looks really good in this setting. Loose like geeks come into Fight Club and beat yeah. up some guy that Shane has watching. <laughs> it's just, where, where did these people this come from? This is Shane's Dark Order is what this is, only these guys just get their ass kicked. <laughs> I just, I'm like, what is the point of this? And then, when, and then when the hurt business comes in and cleans them all out, I'm like, well, is this, is this another three week angle that's going to end with like Shane managing Baba Tunde or something? And, it's- and what's funny is that Shane, like, I don't feel like they really explained how Shane was supposed to react. No, they to didn't react the hurt- anything. He's just hosting. He's he's. <laughs> It was He's like, come back and do that you. again sometime. I'm like, Shane, actually, you can't have that because, like, is this your show? But we don't even know what Shane's, like, why is Shane doing this? Yo, like, we're for, back for, here at the MTV Beach House with more Raw Underground, yo. Come yes, on, yeah, yeah, yeah. People, we're just <laughs> fighting back here in the warehouse. <laughs> but never mind that. So now you've created this little segment that is supposed to be more interesting than the entire rest of the three hours that you're watching. So, like, don't even bother watching the rest of this old crap. We're doing something new and edgier. So, that's the other problem with this raw underground thing. It's kind of like breaking the fourth wall. Like, you're saying all that other stuff is stupid. Here, this raw underground, this is the coolest thing we have to offer. I, I, I want to know what they're offering these people to fight, too. What's, what's, the, what's, the, what's the deal? What's, what's the reward? toughest guy to Shane McMahon <laughs> just if they had spent a week launching this and and by launching this I mean they had Shane all this week doing angles backstage talking to people you get Cole on on commentary going what's Shane doing back there why is he doing blah 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 blah, blah. and Shane's talking to Bobby Lashley and he's talking to MVP and he's talking to all these different people and he's setting the table for Raw Underground and they they have some sort of setup where they get interrupted or I don't know maybe you use the Antifa angle as the way for Raw Underground to take over the broadcast if you were thinking ahead on these things. Um, but if they had actually kind of like teased this out a little bit, this could be less stupid. But as it were, 
Why is Shane doing this? How did he convince everyone to go and participate in this? How did like, he convince the WWE to put this on the air? Right. Why does he have the Go Go Girls in it? Like, like there's just like there's a lot of different missing steps here that makes this entire thing unearned. And then we get to the question of, is this a thing worth earning? To which the answer is no. And now you have WWE superstars adding Shane to get on this. Like Dana Brooke wants to be on this, or at least, you know, in character, she wants to be on this. Um, there's only one person I want on this thing. And that's, I want Zia Lee. And I want Zia Lee to kick somebody's head off. Like literally kick a head off. Like Jason takes Manhattan, take a head off. Like, I would watch Asuka just doing stiff kicks on people. That'd be pretty cool. Tozawa not doing his ninja crap, but, like, actually just doing stiff kicks on somebody. Sonya That'd be Deville. pretty cool. I'd wouldn't mind seeing Sonya Deville yeah, beat the hell yeah, out of somebody. No, okay, but here's the other thing that I think drives me a little bit crazy here about this. They came up with a pretty cool MMA format in the fight pit not that long ago that they did a really successful test pilot of. And they've never done this... Uh, raw underground format ever, and it sucks. <laughs> well, Chris, when 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 viewership is down, when in doubt, you go to the McMahon's. Yeah, because <laughs> you, you bring in Shane. It, Shane's the coolest of the three of them, right? Like he's cooler than Vincent. He's cooler than Stephanie, and like he's the one who doesn't feel like she feels far more stale than he does. But he's been given just absolute crap to work with. Oh, Stephanie's, we're going to talk about Stephanie on SmackDown in a bit, but the other major story coming out of this, just weird. That's the only word I can come up with for the tone of Raw. The tone of Raw was almost like they weren't taking Raw seriously. Like, they were almost commenting on it as it was going along. Because you Well, that's the problem with the Raw Underground thing. It uh, breaks the continuity of the Raw universe. This, this Antifa group now known as retribution they're playing with lights and sound chris ooh ooh they're here to take over yes they're here to cause chaos by and, and they caused so much chaos tonight man they they, they the ran off? they ran smackdown over a full 60 seconds i counted almost 90 well, like, on, on, whoa, I, the sensors are going to be pissed off about that one. On Raw, they turned, they flickered the lights a few times, they they turned off the mics a couple of times, and they threw a Molotov cocktail at a uh, at, at 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 an electrical box. All the while, on both Raw and SmackDown, you had talent basically commenting on the angle. Like, Kevin Owens goes, hey, can they cut off the mics of the Iconics? And then The Miz going, hey, Retribution, I thought you were just going to be on Raw. Just making them into geeks. And, and yeah, they came in. It looks like four little guys and a female. And they basically spray-painted. And I'm supposed to think this is something. These guys No, get- you're, that's the problem, is that Vince does not like Antifa. Vince does not I mean it's it's obvious I'm not this is not like revelatory psychology here. It's very clear that Vince does not like anarchists. He does not like what he sees when he watches the news and he sees groups like this on the news. They bother him 
and he doesn't take them seriously. He thinks their tactics are ineffectual. And that is playing out in the way that he writes these characters, which makes for bad professional wrestling because... Like, who would, as a as a talent, other than, like, yes, you're on WWE television, who would want to be the leader of Retribution? Because these guys are going to get pinned more than the Spirit Squad. These guys are goobs, and Vince is treating them like goobs. They're, They're getting the RKO'd within squads. three yeah. weeks as a, exactly. as a squad. Absolutely. Because Randy Orton may be a bad guy, but damn it, he's loyal to WWE, and you don't come in here and do this to my company. You know, some some garbage like that. There is yeah, or no it's going to be like a get a job thing. Take, you know, try doing something serious for once in your life, you guys, blah, blah, blah. You don't respect the ring. Yeah, I mean, it, it could even be new face turned Sheamus, for, for all we know. We'll get to that, too. I, I just don't see how you can't unmask these people now. You just can't. The, no, I would be fighting to not be unmasked by these guys. I looked if at I them were and, and I said, this is the Lollipop Guild invading. <laughs> They're like the Ducky Boys from the Wanderers or something. It's like a, a four, four small guys and a woman coming in here with like, a crowbar and a chainsaw. And, and, and ooh, they look at them. They're wrecking havoc. Now, there is a possibility. And I read this, and this sounds like something they would do is that the people we saw tonight will not be the actual people. That would be Like Dominic Dijakovic shows up. That would be better, but I, I'm still like trying to get my brain around, because we're taping shortly after the SmackDown here. I'm still trying to get my brain around the beat of the Antifa run-in where they're surrounding that one female wrestler and then their female talent attacks her. But they're like, you know, kind of like surrounding her, like the hyenas getting ready to pounce on the young antelope or whatever. Um, uh, It's just clear that Vince doesn't like these characters, but not in like the heel sense, but like to the point where he won't book them as being intimidating in any way because he's so hung up on the idea that these guys are ineffectual. How about this for an idea that this hurt business is the one that takes him out? As I could see that, weird yeah, socio political commentary of this is what happens when these dumb Antifa geeks hijack a, a strong thing like Black Lives Matter. You know, I could see them thinking that. I, I don't. Yeah, yeah, especially since you've got MVP kind of doing a sort of protesty thing, right? Yeah. Like he grabbed the microphone, he complained about. It. I could, yeah, I could see the hurt business being the ones who takes out retribution. I don't know. I liked the Hurt Business all Monday, but God, in between that and just some of the other weird stuff going on, I I just, I don't know. And then we get to the SmackDown show. Yeah, Sheamus is apparently a baby face. (laughs) Uh, Chad Gable uh, getting beat up by Sheamus, same as it ever was. Matt Riddle kind of looking like second tier. He doesn't become a hero out of this. And then... uh, uh, what was oh Stephanie McMahon making your two top heels in the company look small? I just hated that. Yeah, no, I, I this is we're gonna take this over so and bad. gobble the poochie. Right. Yeah, I feel like Bailey needs to be. We've talked about it before, but she needs to be the one going and complaining to the manager. But what really takes the sting out of this is if the manager is not on Bailey's side. Bailey should be whining to Stephanie 
and getting what she wants out of Stephanie because Stephanie is bad. I think both of them should be defiant. They said we came here to take over. Hey, we took over. You can't do this to us. You can be a uh, you can do the Bailey Karen idea. Speak to the manager thing that way. You know, attacking Stephanie as opposed to doing the Eddie Haskell. Why you look mighty nice tonight, ma'am? You know, I I I get that they like their heels weaselly, but everybody's a weasel, so everybody's kind of weak. And I just I thought I thought it made them look really really weak when they're. They hold all the gold. They should be the ones dictating things. I just, I just, and plus it's, we're putting McMahons on TV, which is always the cure for low ratings. So it, it just, it, it was a miss for me. Um, What do you think about Joe getting into the Rollins angle with Dominic? I am perfect with that. I love No, Joe. I'm fine with that. No, I like Joe too. I just, I mean, it, it's. It makes some sense to pair Joe with Dominic. At the same time, I'm way more interested in Joe versus Seth than I am in Dominic versus Seth. I would love Joe to get back in the ring. I don't know if he is. I don't know if this is a way to get him there. I find it far more interesting than Tom Phillips versus Seth Rollins. (laughs) What was that? I think that is your parlay to getting... Joe back in but then yeah like I did think it was interesting where like Tom and Joe you know tap on it after uh Joe steps in on his behalf and like I don't I don't know man they they gotta just pick and stick with the character with Tom that's all I'm saying but they need to pick and stick with a lot of things let me go back to this Smackdown angle because it's just (laughs) you have a guy you can make into a star in Matt Riddle and it looks like the guy that they see star potential in right now is Sheamus. And I'm that and Baron Corbin. I don't know if you've I... heard of this King Corbin, but he is just he is people love him. And they they just want to watch this guy. He's such a he's such an interesting guy. With his ransom, which is not actually how a ransom works. That really bothers me, Jeff. It bothers me that it's called the King's Ransom, but the ransom is for the king who's been taken hostage, not for it'd be the king's bounty is what it would be. So Jeff Hardy gets kind of thrown to the side because of the Baron Corbin deal. Sheamus comes in, starts... He's the most important character. Starts fighting <laughs> Baron Corbin. I, I don't know, earlier, I, you know what, I was all in with the Gable Riddle thing. I was like, man, this is great. And then, look, I understand the logic, because we argue logic here all the time. I understand the logic of Sheamus being mad at Chad Gable for ruining his match. But they've never really established that DQs matter before. But all of a sudden, they randomly bring up, yep, Sheamus is getting the loser's purse tonight. And Gable should be a killer on this episode because this is the first episode where he's gone heel. So Gable should be suplexing around people like Sheamus and Riddle. And, like, we should see this new attitude out of Gable that we have not seen before. And instead, he gets... Broke his kick. hat handed to him multiple times. A broke kick after getting trounced on the outside by Matt Riddle. <laughs> Let's see. As a baby face, I got broke kick. Let me rethink my strategy here. Hmm. Gonna turn heel. Up, oh, broke kick. <laughs> Maybe I'm just not very good at wrestling. It's stupid, yeah, man. I was just an Olympian. Maybe I'm. Yeah. Maybe I'm not ready for the talent. <laughs> the talent jump to professional wrestling and world wrestling entertainment. Uh, this, 
he, what they've done with Chad Gable since they've turned him into Shorty G has just It should just be a been, capital punishment. We should be able to give yeah. people the chair for that. Yep. Yeah. No, yep. it's it, – this Vodka's is hit, criminal, way, so criminal mismanagement of a talent in wrestling, like an all-time <laughs> level. <laughs> oh, he's only five foot six, five foot eight. He was a gold medal legit badass, and you can't figure out what to do. The best you have to do is recycling Sheamus and having him brogue kick him again. He's a suplex machine, and he can do top rope moonsaults. He does everything you want out of this guy. He should be breaking Sheamus' arm and having no pretense about it and saying, I'm here to collect. I love bounty hunter Chad Gable. Give me a mercenary. He, he I, should be I, the one who dismantles retribution. I like, want, if you were going to push him, I'd have him, like, hunt down retribution and just snap all of their arms. Mercenaries are a great thing in professional wrestling, especially in the territory days where people were offering bounties and people were trying to collect all over the place. Stories about when guys would come into promotions. Oh, I paid for Abdullah the Butcher to come in and take out... Jimmy Valiant on my behalf, says Tully Blanchard. You know, anybody in, like, these... Paul Jones army type of things or what, you know, you have hired killers and hired guns. Let him be that and do that. That character would be awesome for Chad Gable. He just, okay. Yeah, the trick would be the first several bounties. He would need to be successful and collect on them. Ha- and and like, he just mini- kind of get the nothing personal, just business part of his character over. Yeah. Either that or turn- <laughs> how well do you know? Marvel comics. <laughs> Not that well. Okay, Craven the Hunter. I'm here for Chad Gable being Craven the Hunter. Just a guy who just cares about stalking prey and getting bounties. You know, the APA was great, but they were played a little bit too much for comedy, but I liked the gimmick of, hey, you can go and pay these guys. They weren't initially. Initially, they they were done up just right, and those guys really were bounty hunters. There were several episodes of raw when the when music first... hit you knew somebody's ass yes was gonna get beat, yes yes right like the there and they did that for a good long time and then eventually they got into you know the door matters and you know all the beer the etiquette and all that shit but like no initial apa is good and if you had chad gable as oh here comes gable like and just everyone knew to take him seriously. And also, here's how you get out of this and kind of reestablish him. Someone makes a short joke, and, like, that's the thing that sets him off. You never, ever, 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 ever call him short. Or, you uh, know, I, I... Or you pay a serious price. Well, I like the idea, but I would have it not phase him. I would just have him go, huh, short joke, huh? And just kind of, you know, people who... People like me. People who hold grudges for a long, long time. Just have that... Just have that on the. He could even make a note of it, duly noted. But yeah, you get a receipt phases, though. Yeah, nothing you, phases this guy, and then he just comes out and breaks like an appendage, you know, like Pentagon Junior on on Lucha Underground. Except yeah. not breaking the arms of Asian women. <laughs> I would have yeah, I, I would have him attacking people backstage like like just unaccounted for attacks. Yeah, th- there's so many interesting things you could do with uh, Chad Gable. The Fiend, Braun Strowman promo. Uh, speaking of your spaghetti at the wall thing, like, I, man, I, I don't. Did you know Braun's you know, a monster? I, I, was, <laughs> I was right about the Alexa Bliss thing. Okay, re- reiterate. Remember when you said, uh, when we were talking about the pay-per-view, how you didn't think 
Alexa Bliss was going to be a feature of this angle, and I said no, they wouldn't have written her in unless they were going to work her into this long term. Like it seems pretty clear that like they're going to work Alexa Bliss into this. Yeah, yeah. Like I don't. <laughs> this angle is so. <laughs> if. <laughs> It's so weird to me because on SmackDown, to me, the obvious guy to build up into a monster singles baby face is Big E. And then you turn Sheamus, who is going to probably get that spot. I I can see them having Sheamus be the belt holder because that's who Vince views as a star. Can't you? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, hmm. Are we saying that we're turning Braun heel? And then Sheamus beats Braun? No, I'm I'm saying that I think the Fiend beats Strowman again. Oh, okay, and then whoever beats the Fiend. Because you have to you have to take Strowman off TV for a while to get him make him special. Cause you you've ruined him this whole time. Oh yeah. No, no, they've absolutely ruined him. They've absolutely ruined him. Um He's he's in danger of becoming the big show where you have this huge guy who should have special attraction quality and have like this kind of strong win loss record where like him being beaten really means something and they've uh had him lose too many times. I agree. And be stuck they, in too many sort of too many upper mid card things. Yeah, too many programs. Absolutely. They fell in love with his athleticism and then they just kept on wanting to do it over and over and over again. And really you need to take a little bit more care and and because the guy was an other, he he was a game changer to me. Uh, once you turned him babyface, and they rushed that too. I, I just... uh, well, and the fiend stuff. Like speaking of special attractions, you shouldn't have the fiend and Bray Wyatt really even. Okay, Bray Wyatt should be coming out and having enhancement matches as Mister Rogers Bray Wyatt, unless and until you want to drop the fiend in to start a specific angle. But, like, he doesn't need to be in the funhouse as the fiend for 15, 20 minutes every week. I think they've forgotten that this character actually has to wrestle. Oh, here's a piece of news that we forgot to go over because we recorded right before it dropped. There's another draft coming up. And I believe they've moved it now to September. So we're just going to reshuffle all these people anyways. And none of this is going to matter, really. I, I, I just... I'm... Do they time these drafts with, like, when they bring in new writers? Do do they at least give the writing team a fresh slate to work with? Or are is the draft just done cause, just because? Just to shake things up. Just, a, you know, new toy syndrome. All those other things. There'll probably be a couple NXT people drafted in that, you know, as quote unquote shocks. But other than that, yeah, it's just to it's just because, well, obviously people aren't aren't interested because we've used all the talent that we can in these combinations. We need new combinations. Well, I'll tell you what, if I never have to watch Andrade and Angel Garza against the Street Profits <laughs> if I never have to watch that oh, matchup again. Oh, the DOA angle. The poison cup of Montez Ford, <laughs> where you know WWE medical wouldn't have cleared him if if he wasn't cleared to wrestle. 
you know, because oh, we didn't, I didn't have, we Oh, didn't my have, God. I didn't even connect that it was the cup. I feel so naive now. I I just thought they were doing some stupid seizure angle because they've like I, they've always had the cup be empty. Like I feel like there's been times where she's actually shown the bottom of the cup. They even brought it up in the in the backstage skit with Bianca. That, that's you know I, you may have fast forwarded through that. It's, it's I saw them yelling. I mean you know it's a, I, do I listen? But to, to me every the fu- the funniest line there was was Corey putting over WWE medical when hey remember the old. CM Punk lawsuit. <laughs> oh my God! Yeah, no, they did. A, they did an angle where somebody, somebody put a Mickey in old Montez Ford's. I want to say pimp juice, but I don't think it's pimp what juice. Is, what is he drinking then? Like this, there's so many new questions that arise from this because I swear, Jeff, he's always had an empty cup, and it's just been for affect. And he, like he holds it and he waves it, and we see the bottom of the cup. And now you're telling me you're telling me that he is drinking something on the way to the ring. What is he drinking? I think is it's it water. I think it's, I think it's Fresca. You think he's drinking Fresca? <laughs> I think it's Zima. I think oh, he's a Zima, Zima guy. You think he's yeah. getting his buzz on before he wrestles? Yeah, because Zima gives you the buzz and helps keep the party rolling. Who is he, Too Cold Scorpio? <laughs> if Too Cold Scorpio's into oh, Zima? No. no, Too Cold Scorpio was into other things before going out to the ring. Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, Too Cold Scorpio could have been into Zima, and that's like the fun way to party can he for the get, new millennium. Hold on, hold on. Can he get Zima still? Is that still I don't know. made? I, I think they still make Zima. Are, are you now being the anachronist? Look, it's the original White Claw. If you liked White Boone Claw, Strawberry Hill in the cup. Yeah, you little, little Boone's Farm. That's like that's some college party right there. <laughs> oh no, no, yeah, hard seltzer. That's what he's into. He's into like the natural light strawberry lemonade or whatever it is. Maybe he drinks lactose-free milk. Who knows? The truly lemonades, which are actually tasty. I could see him doing that. That'd be good. Yeah, I'm just I'm confused. I I think it's it's weird that Montez Ford actually has like a beverage beverage, especially since they do all the dancing and stuff too. And like the way he dances with the cup, there there, there can't be liquid. Otherwise, they'd have he'd just be like spraying liquid on him and his partner all the time. I'm actually surprised they have not made that part of his fire up. I thought for sure with that gimmick, it was going to be, oh, he drinks from his. He drinks from the cup, right. Like, no, that would make a thousand, like, and especially if, like, the cup was just basic water or something. Like, they had done some sort of reveal, like, all he's drinking is water or whatever on the way to the ring. But, like, yeah, he does. He fires up after he takes a sip from the cup. It's like, you know, just kind of like a, a gag. Um, but we've not really actually had a lot of him drinking from the cup. <laughs> It's just ridiculous. I mean, that guy has so much swag and so much charisma, and he's going to be doing this bad comedy for the next five years. I I don't know. No, I know. He, he You know, yeah, the shuffle-up stuff is good, but it's kind of like Big E, where it's, I mean, the issue's just you haven't been writing the guy very well. You could do more with him. Yeah, you could do more with everybody if, if, if you take yeah. the show seriously, but it's... It's to put smiles on people's faces, and I, I just, I'm, well, well, we'll get into this when we get into AEW, because I got, I got an axe to grind with them. No, you know, I, I, let's stop on the smiles thing, though, because I think what makes us laugh, cry, smile, 
with wrestling Toru is that's <laughs> well yeah yeah absolutely he covers the full spectrum of human emotion i've always said he's that. the meryl but, streep of wrestling but i think it's important to be able to love hate laugh with toro yanu um in an intense way emotionally speaking um and we, we need to be able to feel as intensely as we do about toro yanu as we do with american wrestlers so you know like aj styles I don't care what he's doing right now. Even as a heel, I don't particularly hate him. He's just kind of a dick. Um, but, like, he's a dick to people I don't really care about. Like, Bailey so and Sasha I'd... look like they're having fun doing right. this. So I think we're kind of enjoying that more because of that, as opposed to... I don't hate them, and I don't even necessarily find them obnoxious. If anything, I kind of enjoy seeing them on TV. Mm-hmm. The Iconics sort of fit the bill more of pure, pure obnoxiousness. Um... But even then, you know, well, I, I just kind of appreciate their craftsmanship at it. But, like, that's the real issue. So if you want to put smiles on people's faces, you have to make characters that people love because just seeing that character can put a smile on someone's face. Like, people, like, just love Bret Hart, and you know, or Shawn Michaels or whoever, you know, Hulk Hogan. Like, just seeing that person made people happy. And right now, like, Otis doesn't make you smile, not, like, intensely. You're like, oh, it's Otis. Okay, um, there, there's even like the Miz and Morrison, they don't make you really hate them. So you don't smile when you see those guys get beat up. So, you know, to the putting smiles on people's faces, this is why the character development stuff matters. Yeah. So I when you to, think I need about to care it, when baby faces lose, I need to care. You know, I, I don't care about Big E because that promo was terrible. Not, that was, not, that was terrible. And he wasn't even staying in character. It was like, he wanted to do something else with it. Mm hmm. And you can tell, and he's fighting it, so he's just trying to add, he's trying to add that weird personality he does when you know he's trying to be subversive to a promo. Yes. And yes. it just, it's, it's, it makes me angry, because I know, I know there's a great pro wrestler promo in Big E. I know, because guys like that who can talk and make bad promos like that interesting, have it in them. I just, it, it's just one of those things where I'm just like, I don't. I, I get it. Okay, he got the rub from Kofi and Xavier. We've been going over that for the last three effing weeks with the guy, and then he just basically says, "Yeah, I go out there and act like a dope, <laughs> rolling down." Yeah, I, li- I like to log roll on the way down to the ring. It, I mean, and even that kind of felt like okay. So it's like he's been listening to the, or they've been listening to the criticisms of what's been done with Big E. But at the same time, they're not really changing it. And I mean, really, like, if they're listening to those criticisms, then just, like, let Big E talk like a normal human being so that he doesn't have to go to the the subversive character that he does. You know what that, that promo does? was? That promo was the C student saying, you know, I could make an A. And I know I haven't been trying all that hard, but now, now is my chance to shine. There was there was a little bit of that. I mean, and then when he started getting referential about the run and everything like that, like that that also, it, it just creates unnecessary wrinkles um, that I don't I don't know that they have planned for. I, who is he going to become champion? I, I would like to see him become champion. I think he should become champion, but. This SmackDown show sucks. Maybe, maybe he will become champion when they do the draft and he gets moved over to the other show. I have a weird non sequitur, 
Okay. I, I love Sonya Deville's style. I love the suit. That that solid black suit with the black shirt and black tie, and then sometimes she'll switch it up with a white shirt and black tie, like Reservoir Dogs. She, I think, I love that for her character. I have always dug what she's throwing down. Yeah. This is another character where I just wish they wrote her a little bit differently, especially once they lost Ronda and before they had Shayna Baszler on this roster, you needed MMA toughness, and she's always exuded that. Yeah, I thought those promos were kind of uh, garbage for the most part. Um, yeah, the Miz and Morrison stuff doesn't do anything no. for me, but like that that's it's like Baron Corbin. This is a show that is being booked extremely safe for Vince's sensibilities. Yeah. We have a Corbin segment. We have a Miz segment. They're the two main heels. The plot goes through them, and everything else is pretty much disposable wrestling. I think that settles it for the main roster, unless you had anything else. Did you know that Otis Dozovich is the Money in the Bank winner? I did because he was lumbering around with that briefcase as he was trying to do a run-in, which is ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. It's not like, Otis, you don't lose the title shot if you don't bring the briefcase with you. I, that That's something else to consider. I... He... It, it, it makes They're not going to put the belt on him. It I, makes I mean, the Sheamus th- face turn that much more inexplicable to me. Because if you're going to have him cash in, he has. I, mean, I just, I don't know. I mean, you're, are uh, you especially really after the him? promo Sheamus gave too, where he was like, "Now the entire rest of the locker room needs to look out." Now, what should have happened here? It's like he is- got beat at a bar fight. What the hell are we going to listen to him for? Right, and, but what? So the reason we should listen to him, Jeff, is because the last two weeks since that bar fight, he's been beating up everybody, face or heel. He doesn't care. Everybody's getting a brogue kick. Mm. Like that would be why we would listen to him again. Uh, not, but supposing that you had never heard of this wrestler, Sheamus, and you were intrigued to see what kind of journey this man goes on. My God, what are they going to do with Otis? Because he was hot. Going they're going to gonna the joke him out. They're going to give him they're going to give him the Baron Corbin treatment and just have him be one of these money in the bank losers because they forget they forget where they're going. And uh, this kind of goes back to when they had Sandow become the money in the bank winner back in the day. They did it just because it was an interesting way to get out of that match and people wanted Sandow to become the money in the bank winner, but they never had a plan for how this person was going to become the the champion off of the briefcase and you had that happen with Corbin they, they didn't want to do a full Corbin as champion angle and I think you're having that now with Otis where they don't want to do a full Otis as champion angle well you remember we thought that he was gonna get tricked out of the briefcase at some point involving Mandy but now <laughs> we're no that seems they, they seem to be you know a, a, an item that's at least a good move and I'll applaud them for going a different direction than we predicted on that. Yeah. Oh, AEW or NXT? Let's do. Let's get rid of AEW. Okay, let's do AEW. I get rid strong, Jeff, but I didn't like this show. I'm just here, and I, I told you this. I just feel like it's a Wes Anderson wrestling federation. It's it's cutesy. 
everything's comedy except for the one serious angle when it should be serious angles and one comedy thing the other way. I look, I loved John Moxley's promo. I loved that match. I thought that was a great, great match. Other than that, I mean, did you like the verbal debate? I mean, no. it was funny. I, 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 it, it was okay. The, the, okay. The, the, the orange Cassidy on global warming answer was good. Well-written comedy to me. That was a good beat. It was a good, beat. but we have gone down this narrative path with orange Cassidy and I see no and value added. I don't see and any Jericho. value in Jericho as a comedy heel. No, he he's at a point that is approaching go away heat for me. I, I just, I don't Jericho's comedy always overstays. It's welcome. It works best when it's edited. When there's an editor reigning in Jericho, Jericho can come up and come in with like 40 or 50 ideas. The editor shears that down to about 10 ideas and they're funny. And then Jericho can go out and be funny with those ideas. Right now, he's getting way too much creative control for these angles. As I told you before the show, I watched watched the tag team tournament, the women's tag team tournament. I think Veda Scott on commentary is a nice addition. I think she works well with Tony Schiavone. Uh, Tenora Conti... Sneaky taller than I thought. She's the same. She's a little bit taller than Anna J. And on and NXT, she came off as such like she came off as like almost a chicken hawk type of mighty yeah. type character. But no, she's she's average size compared to the other women in AEW. But um, uh, let, let's go back to this AEW card. So you had the twelve person match. Was it to open up the show? Yeah, it feels like they're going with kind of the nitro formula of having that multi or like the six man luchador match or action match to start the show. I don't yeah, know if I but mind it, but nitro man, a lot nitro used to do singles cruiserweight matches yeah. and like have something that was a firecracker to start off the show um, or a tag team match. But then we went into the best friends versus the, the proud and powerful comedy hour and the beatdown of Trent's mom's van, which uh, just like proud and powerful come off as total goobers. And the best friends just come off as total goobers. And like, we're going to have his mom involved this angle in this sucks. angle. Yes, this angle. Just... Are we going to have Trent's mom on a pole? Is that where this ends? <laughs> I was waiting for like the Matthew Lillard. My mom's going to kill me from Scream. Um, I, yeah, I just. <laughs> I. Again, I, I hate this minivan angle. Yeah, I'm not a fan of it. I just, I don't, I want one of these angles in wrestling. I don't want the entire show to be these angles. Like the Dark Order is a fine angle. It's it's getting better on being the elite. The the comedy is getting better, but it's it's still comedy. And I'm like, lighthearted wrestling is is great in, in spurts, but if you're not, and then the NJF thing. Like to to that point, this that's a bit that I don't think had steam past that one promo that they did the first time, and him having a campaign headquarters is it's kind of silly considering how small the AEW universe is right now. I will give them credit though for um, I, I, they remember the logical hole that we had last week where we were saying why are they plugging MJF. And Moxley, when they have this title match on Wednesday, 
they did address that at least. So I, I think they they have better. Yeah, but control. but how did they address that? They addressed that by MJF saying, "I'll beat up Darby Allen. He's a hundred and twenty five pound little goose." But he also got and involved then, in the match, trying to make him win. So that helped. Yeah, that's true. And then Darby still lost. Yes, but nobody was expecting Darby to win. Right, but uh, I mean that. But then when MJF calls him a goof and then MJF is trying to help Darby win and then Darby still loses. Matt Cardona is on week two of a five-week contract and we still don't know what his deal is. So, He's going to be out of here in three weeks. So I just think they're just having him do this. You know, get a paycheck, show he can go a little bit and go, okay, have fun in TNA. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. He can just have some fun on AEW before he goes over to TNA and does an angle. I mean, that's that at least that cleans up the Arnie Anderson thing. Although, like, you still have Arn's weird relationship with uh, you have Arn's weird relationship with FTR. FTR continuing to do the drive a wedge uh, between Kenny and uh, Adam Page. I like this angle. Yeah, I, I mean they're they're good. I, I like them a lot. I, there, there's. A lot of little things that are really good here. I, I just, yeah. um, you know, like was it the the rebel wrestling for the first time in a long time. That, that, yes, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I could have done without that. Uh, you know, there's there's just a lot of cutesy stuff here. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the commentary wasn't helping. No, no, the commentary was not helping. And yeah, come back, the, Excalibur, do- come back. <laughs> no, he uh, he makes a he makes a difference. Uh, there's just certain stuff, but even then, you look look at this card. Like, okay, Big Swole versus Reba. That's a comedy match. You have the comedy spot for the Super Wednesday 2020 debate. Matt Cardona and Cody defeat the Dark Order guys. Sure, but those are undercard dudes. Then you have MJF. That's a comedy thing. Um, best best friends, friends versus. Yeah, Santana Ortiz, a comedy thing. 12 Man uh, versus the Dark Order, kind of a comedy thing. Comedy, kind of a comedy thing. So, yeah, like this is a comedy show with one serious match, one and a half serious matches in it. Yeah. I mean, that's that's my complaint. Um, is, is that what modern wrestling is? I, I don't is know. This I don't know. What was of- missing from the market several years ago when we were like, oh, it'd be so great to have a competitor? Now we can finally get that comedy wrestling we've been missing. Yeah, it's you know, and we'll, we'll have people defending. Sorry, I, I just I'm I'm done with hearing <laughs> how the young bucks are great at psychology. I just I okay. I will Dave. believe that when I see it. Man, I no, have been watching no, we're these. Told we're out of touch if, if we don't see it, dude. I've been watching these shows. Like they, the yes, they are athletically gifted. There's no denying that they do lots of things that are really well. They've been doing it for a really long period of time. They, they're a generational talent. There's no denying that. But their match is the same match every match. Mm-hmm. I won't go that far, but I, I just, I just no. But it's pretty darn similar, dude. Like, like when it's just them. And when they're in a multi-man, then they hit their sing, they hit their, you know, they hit their spots. They they hit their cool little spots. Yeah, pretty much. So that's AEW, <laughs> NXT, which I thought was pretty good, a little convoluted in its own right, especially this explanation with Dexter Loomis. 
Uh, yeah. So Dexter Loomis is out of the ladder match. I hadn't heard anything about him being. Oh man, this created a Rube Goldberg device to get like one more round of matches here. So we're gonna have the people who are in these three ways who didn't win face each other. In like a losers bracket match, but they're gonna be singles matches next week. Right, and those winners will move on to the ladder match. Yeah. All right. So they thought that this was the better way to get kind of a better built champion than just having them beat Keith Lee for the North American championship. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked the three way, but man, I really, all I needed them to do was kill each other. I didn't need a lot of fancy stuff between Oni Lorcan, Damian priest and Ridge Holland. Uh, right. Rich right. Allen got potatoed, it looked like. Or, no, Damien Priest did. Damien Priest had the uh, hematoma on the side of his face uh, at the end. Looks like looks like he got it pretty good. But, man, I I, uh, I liked most of this. It's just it got a little bit too set piece for me when I just I just wanted these three guys to beat the crap out of each other. Yeah, there should have been like a rugby scrum where they're just like dogpiling on top of each other and just kind of like you just see arms flying in all directions, just kind of murdering each other. Uh, Rich Holland, I thought, did fine for his uh, re-debut in the States. Um, he did have one previous match where he lost to Matt Riddle as Luke Menzies. Before yeah, no, he was really good in NXT UK. Mm-hmm. I, I'm interested to see him get restarted here in NXT US, but I've liked what I've seen out of this guy, developmentally speaking, and they, they've at least got a template for how to book this guy and make him look pretty strong. I thought Oni Lorcan did a, did a fine job going between the two monsters and just and just holding his own as, as, a, uh, as a tough guy. I, 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 like, I like Oni Lorcan. I just think they've... You remember on 205 when they were trying to make him into the crazy guy? Yeah. They, yeah, still, yeah. Do, they still do kind of shades of that from time to time. I miss all caps Oni Lorkin. He was fun. Ornery Lorkin? Lorkin? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. When he, when he was, <laughs> yeah, the really angry one, yeah. He'd get angry over, like, really small things, too. What, what did he get angry about? Like, a vest? Oh, the jacket. The jacket. That's yeah. right. Oh, jeez. Jesus. No, don't give me PTSD. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I Look, I am here all day for a Mercedes-Martinez-Rhea Ripley match. I just thought that ending was dumb. I, I love, I loved Rhea and uh, Dakota. I thought Dakota was great in that match. Uh, looks like Raquel Gonzalez may be quarantined. I don't know. But she hasn't been around for a while. But I'll, I'll take a mercedes Rhea match just make it straight ahead though we didn't need that to me yeah no i i didn't i didn't think we needed that uh, but what i'll say kind of looking at this card comparing it to aew is there's just yes some of these matches are nothing matches like bronson reed versus shane thorne is a nothing match and it goes the way you think but like at least there's a clear focus in there of we're building up bronson reed you have a clear takeaway. Yeah, but even from he that. had problems with Shane Thorne, and I, look, I get it. Shane, no, I know. His friend, the, and yeah, we have. I mean, they're, they're, the, the NXT problem is that we never. It's the same kind of as SmackDown a little bit. There aren't squash matches. There are matches where guys get some offense, and matches where guys get a lot of offense. 
And you know, for all the talk of momentum in wrestling, what they fail to really capture is putting momentum into matches, which is to say when someone's got, quote-unquote, this nebulous concept of momentum on their side, right now, Bronson Reed's just blowing through Shane Thorne. Why'd he blow through Shane Thorne? Because he's really hot right now. Why? Because he's got great momentum. And then we're uh, excited like, to see him in this title match. Yeah, because he's he's really yeah he's really on fire right now. Bronson Reed's just hot. He's a house of blaze, and it doesn't necessarily take down Shane Thorne. You can have them lose another time and have Shane Thorne be on a hot streak or be on the start of a hot streak, whatever it is. But like, if you want to use momentum as a logic, and WWE loves to use momentum as a logic, then show momentum. It's time, Chris. We gotta talk about it. Um, Tegan Knox versus Andy Hartwell. <laughs> sure, I wasn't going there, but sure, why not? I like Tegan, uh, she shouldn't be able to hit people in the knees with a knee brace. But that's me. Yeah, no, I, I really, I don't. I think it's uh, unfortunate, and she was mean mugging after the match. Yeah, uh, so, that was kind of yeah, weird. Yeah, it was weird. It made me wonder. It made um, me wonder. Well, okay, before we transition, who wins the three-ring battle royal? Or not three-ring, but three-brand battle royal to face Bailey. Um, Shayna Baszler. Okay. I could see that. I thought for a moment maybe Tegan Knox. Yeah. But I do think it's going to be Shayna, Bianca, Shayna or Bianca, pretty much. Um, yeah, yeah, I can see Bianca. I can see Bianca. Yeah, that. Yeah, but the, but you're right. The uh, the mean mugging after the match was. I, are we gonna make another straight ahead babyface a heel just for character development? I hope not. It's kind of a double edged sword though, because a lot of times, it, well, at least when there were so crowds, we're just gonna they, have Rhea you, be the we, only babyface, and everybody's gonna be a heel against her. Just and theater. yeah, right. And, oh, and they EO, also don't really EO. know how, they don't really know how to book baby faces. Here's the thing, though: you become a good baby face after you become a heel, and then you're too cool as a heel. See Io Shirai, um, or even see Rhea Ripley. But then eventually, because they don't know how to book baby faces, they need to turn you heel again so that you can get cool again, and then they'll turn you. Yeah, it's very, it's very weird. No, Chris, when I said it's time to talk about it and you took me to Tegan Knox and Indy Hartwell, thanks for that. Pat I McAfee. liked when Indy Hartwell was yelling at Tegan Knox that she beat Shotzi Blackheart. That was funny. <laughs> I liked it. She beat Shotzi Blackheart. Imperium beats the Undisputed Era, which I like a good heel team versus heel team feud. Um, but they won because... Adam Cole, baby, decided to continue his feud and no longer bury the hatchet with one Pat McAfee, who promptly kicked him in the face and left him laying. He, the, I'm, I'm flustered here, Chris, because... Oh, I didn't go back and rewatch it. Did he, like, really get a good connection with that kick? I don't think so. I think it was a very well-worked kick. Okay, yeah. Nevertheless, the celebrity's the heel here, Chris. Is he? Like, I, this is the one of the big problems with this angle. There's many problems with this angle. There's a lot uh, of problems with this angle. No, there are. Yeah, we, we, we could go down a giant checklist here. But one of the big problems with this angle 
is that it's not really clear who the dick here is. Because Adam Cole, if you remember, was the initial dick. But then McAfee shows up and he's being a dick. So everyone, like both these two people are dicks and you don't really know McAfee that well, but all you know about him is that he's a dick. And from what you know about Adam Cole, he's a dick. So who are you supposed to be cheering for? This is an attempt to get the ESPN-type crowd into this. Um, I think there are too many wrestling pundits who are dismissing that nobody knows who Pat McAfee is. Pat McAfee was a guest for a number of times on the most popular at the time downloaded sports podcast in America. That's being the Dan Lebitard show. He was popular enough on those hits for Barstool to give him his own show. That fell through. That's why he went to disown and now is on terrestrial radio. But he also now has been hired by ESPN to be a college football analyst, possibly on Monday Night Football. I don't remember if he was on that team or not. But they're also looking at him, oddly enough, to replace Dan Lebitard on the radio. Doesn't mean he's a huge superstar, but it means he has some heft in the real sports world. It's worth it to have a working relationship with this person. But, you know, yeah, he's not a talent. And these things always, I mean, look, even Andy Kaufman was a celebrity dabbling in wrestling who would get beat by real trained wrestlers. And Kaufman had enough respect for the business that he put himself as a curio in the early part of the card. Even when he was working with Lawler, he wasn't working with Lawler for the Memphis Championship Wrestling title. He was working it for his stupid gimmick belt that he made himself that, like, put him in the lower card and put him on the Andy Kaufman track. And so when you bring in Pat McAfee and you're putting him up against someone who is kind of in rarefied airs in terms of NXT champions, Adam Cole should go through Pat McAfee like a buzzsaw, except for the fact that then you have a little bit of a presentation issue with yes, Pat McAfee. Pat McAfee's half a foot taller and 75 pounds heavier and more yeah. jacked than Adam yeah. Cole. He sure is. He sure is. So now... Adam Cole is the underdog, but if we're supposed to get on board with Adam Cole's struggle this week, it sure didn't make a lot of sense. Adam Cole sort of played himself here, didn't he? He he cost his team, his buddies, a chance to win the tag team titles by going over and jawjacking with Pat McAfee, who, yes, is a dick, but is not involved in this match and Adam Cole's out there to try to help his boys get the title. So like Adam Cole's being a dick. So are we rooting for him now to beat Pat McAfee? Are we rooting for McAfee to beat Adam Cole? I figured out. I am rooting for Pat McAfee to be the Mongo of the undisputed era and to get a Halliburton. You want him to join the undisputed era. He's going to join the undisputed era and nail him with a Halliburton. I think what would be very funny that that would actually be the best way to get out of this is that Adam and then Cole someone's going to have an account. What would McAfee do next? And we're going to see these poorly worked spots from Pat McAfee forever. He should be Roderick Strong's tag team partner, and Strong has to like <laughs> like Cole gets the idea that like we'll have two tag teams. We'll have you know Red Dragon, and we'll have Cole, or we'll have Strong, and we'll have McAfee. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, um, I'm not excited about this. I, 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 they just, they have no chemistry. I I don't care to see these two guys 
hate each other and we get back to putting smiles on my faces, I'd have to really hate either one of these people or really like either one of these people to have a smile on my face. And, and I don't because I have no real strong emotional reaction towards either one right now. Yeah, it, it's it's very odd that they've made McAfee this unlikable. And he's very good at being unlikable. Don't get me wrong. He's a great troll. He played off that part very, very well, in my opinion. Especially during... There's a- no, he's a really, really good, like, full-of-himself dick button-pusher yes. guy. When he which came- is what makes Cole's characterization so weird, mm-hmm. right? Like, all of this has been built around Cole being a hothead. Or, like, the first beat is built around being, him being a hothead, right? Like, he just flies off the handle. Yeah, during the watch-alongs, he'd go off on McAfee. Yeah, and, right. And so it was, he just it, flies it's, off. It's been playing since then. But, but the real kicker to this was when... McAfee pretended to go back or to leave and then came back and pushed his buttons again. And I'm just like, he's really good at this. He could be a good pro wrestler if, you know, if he <laughs> he went to Japan for two years or something. I, I don't know. No, but- no, he's just miscasting this angle. I don't. Here's where I, I definitely found myself kind of surprised by some of like the wrestling commentary on this this week missing what makes a good wrestler like McAfee is a good character miscast into a bad storyline right now but this guy is a complete total jock troll dick guy Mm -hmm. it's awesome like he's actually really good and he can be like I was I was the smart football player I didn't stay and get it. like he could rub that in people's faces like a lot of the stuff that people liked about him he can, he can turn that around and be condescending and he can talk well here, and here's he, the thing he has a built-in character because he was he was a punter yeah people say think that that's not a real football position but he was a very physical punter he'd go on tackles and stuff on special teams so every wrestler comes in thinking that they're tougher than the quote-unquote fake football player and he just his defense mechanisms kick in and he just he just he knows how to cut people down so it's it's a natural role for him but at the same time this is who this is who wwe baby faces are they're men who stand up for themselves and don't take no crap and other things but they're they come off as jerks Right, yeah, the, the the concept of what a baby face is is so similar to what a heel is that you're actually seeing this horseshoe theory convergence point it's with Spider-Man pointing at himself. Yes, yeah, at, yeah, right, the, but and, and to that point, Spider-Man and the other version of Spider-Man are slightly apart from one another. So they're not quite touching, but they're close enough and they look similar enough that they might as well be the same thing. Mhm. Yeah, I, I hope. And, this and the shame of this is it distracted from what could have and should have been a match I could have sank my teeth into with yeah. Imperium and the Undisputed Era. Like I want to see Bartel and Eichner against O'Reilly and Bobby Fish, and instead, I knew that this entire match was really about getting McAfee and Adam Cole over. Bobby Fish in his new sleeve. I'm just like, dude, thirty-eight. <laughs> uh, you know, here's here's another thing though, Jeff. If McAfee's supposed to be the face, how come he's such a complete and total prick that he scared off Beth Phoenix? Yeah, and he's and, and Beth Phoenix is going, man. I'm really ashamed of Pat McAfee. 
Yeah, I can't stand this guy. And then Pat's like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> I just, here's my thing. What is, what does Adam Cole get out of this? If he loses, he looks like a dope. Outclassed? <laughs> if he wins, he gets nothing out of it. No, right. Yeah, there, there's there's no point. Um, The best thing that could happen is that the Undisputed Era tricks Pat McAfee and beats up Pat McAfee. And, like, that, they never actually get to a match. This, it just turns into like a double Dino cross Maddo, Madden him. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> just write him off a of TV forever. I, I just, I'm... I'm like, okay, they, are, are, is McAfee going to be full-time on WWE for a while? Is he going to run some angles? Is he going to have a stable? Is he going to... I just, it's... It's not that interesting to me, but I like McAfee a lot. I, I enjoy his presence on, like, the watch-alongs and things like that. He's a little try-hard, but that's what makes him so obnoxious, too. It's like I like that he's trying too hard versus not trying enough. You know what I mean? Like, I like that cool he's at least... He, you know. Yeah, no, no, no. He doesn't view himself as above this stuff and that he's slumming it. Like, he likes doing this. You could tell mm -hmm. that. Calling him an elf. You're an angry little elf. Uh, God, that was so good, but it also really takes the sting it out of Cole. Yes, it does. Yes, I'm just like, yeah. this is the wrong kind of heat that they're getting. I, I just, it, it was too right. It, sometimes as, it, I was going to say sometimes as a heel, I don't know if he's heel. Sometimes, suppose you're a heel. Sometimes you can say things that are too true. And if... They're true, and the babyface doesn't have a way of responding, or is the type of babyface like an Orange Cassidy type of character who is not able to respond, um, or it's not really in their character? You could go too far. So, like, this is the problem with like some of the Jericho and Orange Cassidy stuff. You kind of thread all of this together here. It's like Jericho talks and talks and talks and talks and talks, and so then now you have his little beat with climate change. But now the pay or the the trade off for that beat is yes, Cassidy has mentioned that he doesn't talk very much, but it still allows Jericho to go back to, you know, pineapple peating him all the way up till their next match. Let me throw this at guy. you, because I think this was the solution to it. I, I think if McAfee's the baby face here, they, need, they, they didn't need to do a pull apart. They needed to have the Undisputed Era horseman beat down this guy. Where were the Undisputed Era on behalf of uh, Adam Cole? Well, well um, Roderick Strong was holding him back, and he was saying, don't touch me. And then the uh, the other two were losing the tag team title match. And then came out and, 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 and restrained. As opposed to all four of those guys should just beat the crap out of Pat McAfee. Especially given the fact that they just had this match with Imperium, who they beat the hell out of a week ago just to prove that the Undisputed Era is back. And then they just lost that match, a match that they shouldn't mm -hmm. have lost, that they would blame as heels on Pat McAfee. Like, McAfee should have a bounty on his head. I agree. Uh, but this is how they're staging it. I think... No, I know. That's Adam the problem Cole. here. I think, they have, I think they have to break off Adam Cole somehow. I, I just... I don't... I don't see any other way. I don't see how. <laughs> My God, if he's Mongo, that's oh boy. I don't know. I don't know though. We'll see. We'll see how they follow it up. Let's see how it plays out, Chris. Clearing call of suckers. Yeah, no, I know. It's just 
it is too bad, in my opinion, that they're using McAfee this way because I do see real potential in him as an on-screen character. Just I see no potential in this storyline. Mm-hmm. That's gonna do it for us. You can follow me at Crap Game Thirteen. You can follow Chris at Chris Novembrino. You can follow the show at Shake Them Ropes. Chris, plug your stuff. My other show is called Don't Worry About the Government. You can find it at don'tworry.tv. Great episode. They're all great episodes, but a nice episode that I just put out about uh, the attorneys general. It's like an hour and 40 minutes, and it goes from Janet Reno all the way to William Barr. Check that out at don'tworry.tv, on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Spotify, all of the big three. Uh, I'm at Chris Novembrino, and, of course, uh, you can go to our uh shake them ropes patreon we gotta shake them ropes patreon i might get in there and do some high wattage the original place to get eric watts content except no late arrivals get on the original bandwagon one person saw what was out there yeah we we, yeah. we had yeah. a uh, we, we had a new dollar subscriber who wanted to see what the deal is with your high wattage shows boom boom and they will you know what just for that dollar subscriber, thank you. We're going to do more high wattage. So if you want to get high wattage, <laughs> if you want to get high wattage, go to where, Jeff? Patreon.com slash shake them ropes. Get high wattage. <laughs>